Oh, what is that? Is that two podcasts in one day? Yes. The answer is yes. That it is. Welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast. My name is Harrison Barron, and I'll be taking you on a, a journey today through space and time. I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron, and today I, have a, I had a ridiculous podcast. Actually, the dude's just an animal, good friend of mine. Uh, you hear the whole story throughout the show, so I don't want to spoil anything. But, welcome, welcome, welcome. As always, if you enjoy the show, please, please, please smash that subscribe button. It helps tremendously. And um, if you really like it, share it out. Tell somebody about it. Share it on social media. You know, uh, you know, Listen to it in the car. That's always a good idea. Listen to podcasts in the car. I get super weird, though. I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I don't like listening to podcasts in the car with other people. I get freaked out because I'm like... I think they're going to ruin it for me, and they're going to talk, and I don't absorb all the information. It's weird. I find it very strange listening to podcasts in cars, but other people do, so do that, or try it out. See what you think. Um, as always, you can go to the Brutally Honest Podcast website at BrutallyHonestPodcast.com, and uh, you can see all the latest and greatest stuff coming out there. Like I said, I'm doing a lot of work on the on the website and whatnot. Stuff you probably won't see right off the bat, but... A lot of things in the woodworks to get it all done and ready for for your viewing adventures. So you can go check it out there. Um, as always, have the Patreon going. You can go support the podcast. Um, you know, any little bit helps just to get the show going. You know, all that money is going to be reinvested in it, back in it anyway, if you like it. So with that all said, I'm going to take a drink of water. I'm thirsty. So with that all said, um, life's been great, you know rocking out podcasts i said i got a lot of stuff coming at you so thank you to the nerds that care for sponsoring the podcast like they always do they're good people over there at the nerds that care and uh obviously if you don't know now you know i work at the nerds that care but nerds that care what do they do well the nerds that care is your outsourced it company when you are working for an it company um, life is always is pretty crazy, and you have the thought of the business owner and the employees always at, at at stake. And when you have an outsourced IT company, you're trying to always integrate into their system and learn what's going on in their system. And there's different processes for that. You know, an onboarding process where you go through and you see everything that the the company's doing, and you get a real nice health check. And it's great because the owners get to see what is actually going on when they're not computer literate or they really don't have a pulse of what's going on inside their technology and their company. So it's a great way. You know, if you're a business owner and you're looking to see, you know, where are you and where do you want to be, um, helps you sleep at night. You know, the backups. Backups are huge. D- disaster recovery is the biggest thing right now, and security. Having a good firewall, having end-to-end encryption, all these different things um, that somebody like a third-party um, IT like the Nerds That Care is going to help you with. You know, They're going to work with you. They're going to work um, for you to make sure it's all done. So that way you're optimizing your time inside, the, um, inside, your, inside your office and your business. You know, Your employees are staying optimal that whole time. Um, and there, and your IT company is constantly working to make sure that your environment is always as good as it can be. And they're letting you know. They're being extremely proactive by letting you know, you know, is there a fault in the system? You know, is there somewhere that you need to invest a little more money to make sure that everything's going to be smooth? So that's what the Nerds That Care do. So huge thank you to them for sponsoring the show. And, um, yeah, just been podcasting a lot, guys. 
a lot of shows coming up and christmas and your holidays are right around the corner now we can say you know merry christmas again couldn't do that for a couple of years but um my guest tonight was a dear friend of mine ron reed and we tell the whole story about you know how we met and all that stuff um on the show but ron reed is a resume writer and i know that might sound a little boring to some people but i t- i promise you this podcast is loaded with good stuff uh, Ron is a super stellar dude, and it's very interesting his take on the on a lot of the stuff that he does, um, and how it correlates to people that are listening to the show. I mean, honestly, anybody. Um, super cool guy, super full of information, and uh, I think you guys are gonna love this one because I I definitely love this one. Um, I love I I can't I can't lie I love a lot I love all my shows, um, but Ron's a stellar dude. I was a little curious to see how this one was gonna go, and. We crushed it, at least in my opinion. Um, just an awesome dude, and I think you guys are going to love it too. So, without further ado, please welcome my guest, Ron Reed. What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good, man. How you doing, homie? Uh, no complaints. No complaints. But it's been a long time. Over a year. Yeah. Uh, last time I... St- oh, my God. Last time I really spoke to you, you were, do- you were recruiting, and you were doing resumes. Correct. And now you're just doing resumes full-time. Yeah. Congratulations uh, on your award, by the way. I saw that. Yeah, thanks very much. I recently became a certified professional resume writer, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a nerdy thing. I'm... I'm one of 13 certified writers on Long Island, one of five in Suffolk County, and I'm definitely the youngest. I'm, I'm definitely probably the only resume writer under the age of 50 not named Beatrice. Uh, is it all ladies? Yeah, I mean, think of if you could picture a resume writer in Do your head. Do you guys head. get together like once a month or so? No, or, I, uh, I I hate them. They're my they're my competition. Yeah. I want to destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to destroy. So them. now I I don't know any of the other certified writers on the island. Okay. But but if you I I mean if you ask Joe Joe Smith on the street picture a resume writer you're thinking of a 65 year old named beatrice so yes i think that's one of my differentiators that's so funny <laughs> close your eyes and think hard about what a resume writer would possibly look like 65 <laughs> 65 beatrice like, oh, let me let me cipher the powers of the universe to figure out oh it's an old lady probably big butt 100 percent. oh 100 that's i would laugh super hard if this podcast somehow Made it to the ears of some professional resume writer named Beatrice. That would be amazing. But here's the catch: she's like 25, smoke smoking show. out, total smoke show, barstool smoke show. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, my name's Beatrice, and I am not an old lady with a big butt. I have a big butt, but that's because I do squats. Hundred <laughs> percent, that's happening tomorrow. You're gonna open up your LinkedIn and have a message from Beatrice. That would, oh, that would make my day if that just happened. <laughs> I'd be like, this I, I would have never guessed that this ever would have taken place. Yeah, don't count on it happening though. Mo- <laughs> most resume writers are total nerds. Like that's okay, but uh, it's all good. But yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen each other. I think we met a little bit over a year ago at a networking event. Yes, and uh, we just keep 
you know, we've kept in touch. I had my email blast with the recruiting, yep, yep. and you were, I, you know, I threw your email address on there, and you were, you were one of the uh, many people that would actively reply to my emails, yeah. and like you brought me a ton of value, and I appreciated no, that. Absolutely, you, you know, man. even even if you didn't have a recommendation for me for somebody for a job, you would just you would just always keep in touch and yeah. let me know that yep. I was on your radar, and that meant a lot. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, I I think it goes far too under the radar. Or uh, not recognized enough. And and the nice part is, too, you know, your resumes aren't full of just garbage. Like, that's no. what I, – I mean, not your resumes, your uh, your emails. Oh, they're not just okay. full of – they're not full of garbage. You're not opening that email. And for people who aren't in the business email world, 90% of the times you sign up for these email, um, these email blasts or whatever it is, and it's just like – it's all these different colors. Like, there's not that much data. Like, there's no real core information. It's just like fluff. And then you gotta click on that to go to another web page, and the article's like 35 pages yeah, long. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, here's what I need. Here's what I got. Can you help me? Yes or no? Exactly. Like, I just recently got constant contact, but my, okay. you know, the emails that I was sending you, it was just old school copy and pasting. And I just like to get to the point. Like, yeah. these are the jobs I have. These are the qualifications. This is what it's paying. Do you know anybody? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and me, I just, hook I, me up. yeah, I would, pa- I would pass on to whomever I could, you know, that was looking for a job or if I found, if I had somebody that would fit the, fit the role. And, you know, hey, if they, if it worked out great, if it didn't work out, uh, you know, I tried. Yeah, so you were super helpful, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, but appreciate uh, that. as of last week, I actually left the recruiting world. Wow. So uh, I was with the same agency right here in Bohemia. I didn't even realize how close you were That's to so my funny. office. Yeah. I, I was like two blocks away um, here in Bohemia. I was there for three years, and, and last week I made the decision I'm going to go all in on my own business, my resume writing business. Good for you, man. I appreciate that. So when you're a resume writer, <clears throat> what is – this sounds so weird, but like, what does the like the long term goal look like? Is it just you, or do you bring on people and they find people to write resume? Like, how does that all? Because I know nothing about the resume. Yeah, like, most just when people I thought don't. I know shit about recruiting. <laughs> I know nothing about the resume yeah, writing. Industry. Most people don't. I mean, it's not a sexy world, to be honest with you. Um, I'm trying to bring sexy back and try to make it. I'm trying to make resumes as fun and entertaining and exciting as possible, but it's kind of a boring topic, to be honest with you. So. Um, Right now, it's just me. I mean, I, I can handle the things are getting very busy, but mm-hmm. I can handle I, at this moment, I can handle all the aspects of the business. Okay. My goal is to one day get to a point where I can build a team of a couple of really awesome uh, resume writers. Okay. Like maybe I, one day I will have to bring on Beatrice from, uh, <laughs> from Salsa Talk It you know, oh <laughs> to, to join my team because I'm so busy and yeah. I hope that happens and I'd love to have Beatrice on my team. Um, but right now it is just me doing everything related to the business no, from, from, the, from the sale you know, to the finished product. That's crazy. Now are you, you're just providing you know, that piece of paper – and I know you said you do you have additional things as well, but as far as like that goes, are you now are you seeking like trying to help these people find jobs, or is it just you know hey he, here it is, do what you want with it? Uh, for the most part, right now I am not doing job search services. Okay, you know it, I have I have a pretty big network, so if I do hear of a job opening uh-huh. that's appropriate for one of my clients, yeah, I'll definitely make the connection oh, and okay, the introduction. Good, good. Um, but that is a potential paid service somewhere down the road. Gotcha. Um, just right now it's not. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. That's It's definitely a more unique field because obviously I, th- I would say we've both done a ton of networking. And for anyone yeah. who doesn't know what networking is, it's the worst thing in the world where you go around, <laughs> you try, you meet people. A lot of, some people are actually really cool that you meet and other people are just like, 
like your typical salesman. Yeah. Hey, my name's so and so. This is what I do. Give me your money. Like they're just trying to swindle you into a deal or whatever it is, which sucks. But every once in a while, you come across some quality people. That's actually how I find a lot of the people I've had on the show is going out and meeting people. And oh, you know, I know this person. Have this person on. You know, maybe I'm not a good fit, or you know, I'm kind of an introvert. We might not fit the best, but you know, I got this person. They're crazy. You should have them on the show. You no, know, it's a numbers game. Uh, you're in sales. Yep. Sales is a numbers game. I, you know, I'm, I'm from the recruiting world, and I sell with my current company. It's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. You got to go through a lot of crap before you find the gems. Yep. You know, and and networking is the same way. Yeah. You know, the but, uh, uh, and now what is for anyone, uh, at least I'm super curious. What is like the life of becoming or getting your certification? Because I've known nothing about resume writing. Uh, so the certification was actually a pretty intense process. I had to take a three part test. Okay. So there, long story short, there's an organization down in Florida. They're the uh, Professional Association of Resume Writers and Career Coaches. Okay. And they're they're the uh, governing body that uh, gives out this test. So it was a three-part test. It was uh, multiple choice, short answer, and then the most grueling part of the test, which stressed me out to no end, and I was up for many hours working on it. Uh-huh. They basically give you eight pages of garbled, nonsense, bullshit information uh-huh. about um, a fictitious client. Okay. And it was my job to boil down those eight pages to a one-page resume that highlighted the um so so they gave you a background on a fictitious client mm-hmm. and a fictitious job that the person was interested in yeah. and i had to create a one-page document that captured all the key information um so that the client was in the best position possible to to get an interview for that fictitious job so now are you building that resume to fit that job exactly or? oh yeah so it's it's eight pages of a lot of information about the candidate uh-huh. and the job and how long do you have to complete that activity um so the the first two sections the multiple choice and the short answer i had i think it was an hour it was timed so from the time you received it in an email you had to get it back to them and then um i i think i had three days from from the start of the test to complete that resume and cover letter holy crap so yeah a lot of people take this test um there's a there's not a ton of cprws out there uh, certified professional resume writers, okay. um, but if, if you're legit and you're really serious about the profession, yeah. you, you should have that certification. So there, there's a decent amount of people yeah. out there, but most most quote unquote resume writers, and I, I'm doing the air quotes because yeah. most suck. Um, most do not have that certification. Gotcha. And now, what separates you? Obviously, other than this this uh, certification, but like now, what separates you from like the rest of the competition? Obviously, you're gonna have well, we could chunk fifty percent off right off, off right off the bat. Probably suck more than fifty. More, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of scary. It's uh, it's an interesting profession. It's kind of like it's kind of like real estate agents, financial advisors, recruiters. Even mm-hmm. there's a low barrier to entry. Yeah. You know, every uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry can you know buy buy a little website on Wix, throw mm-hmm. up a PayPal, and say I'm a resume writer. Um, so there's a low barrier to entry. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, anybody can say they're a resume writer. You see it all the time in real estate. Yeah. You go to the networking <laughs> events, there's, oh, there's 19 financial advisors. You know, probably that's probably blows. two of them are legit. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing that blows my mind is there's so many of those people. Now, when you go through this process, what on your re- – because I'm curious to see what a $700 or $1,000 – I don't know what the number is, but, like, a super high-end resume compared to – you know, one that a college student or like mm-hmm. a mid-aged 
person writes up themselves? Uh, it's night and day. Really? Um, I, resume, I mean, resume writer is how I would describe myself to most people. But at the end of the day, I'm really like a people marketer. Mm-hmm. I'm essentially the marketing department for individual job seekers. I'm like okay. the madmen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For individual That's job seekers. Cool. So my uh, your original question was what differenti- differentiates myself from my competition. Mm-hmm. A, I have a recruiting background. Mm-hmm. And I have great writing skills. Yeah, that's super important. Most resume writers – well, a lot of resume writers have great writing skills, no recruiting background. And then a lot of resume writers don't have great writing skills and they don't have a recruiting background. I think it's important to have a recruiting background because I understand the psychology of recruiting. When I know what's going through the head of a recruiter, I know what the red flags they're thinking about. I know that the words they're looking for um, – and that plays very heavily into how I write a resume. Okay, gotcha. so that's the first differentiator. I have a recruiting background. Second, I I outcare every other resume writer. Yeah. I give so many shits about my clients. I am all in. Like, and you I, need I, to be. Yeah, and I, I don't. You see that in, in the way you express your concern for it. Like, I, I care about my clients more than they do. More than they care about their own resumes. I, I am just so committed. And I, I, I think that's probably 75% of the battle right there. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing is I, I'm a very um, – I'm an open book. I'm very conversational. Mm-hmm. I really get to know my clients. A lot of quote-unquote resume writers and, – and I don't want to come off like I'm bashing yeah, resume yeah. writers. Absolutely, that, absolutely. There's lots of great ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of resume writers, you know, the client pays and then they send them an online questionnaire – and basically, the client's doing all the work. I don't do that. A client orders with me. We're having, at a minimum, an hour-long conversation, usually over the phone because I have clients all over the country. But if mm-hmm. I have a local client here on the island um, and the stars align, we'll meet face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because I need to get to know you as a person. I need to understand your style. If you're really conservative, I'm going to build a conservative resume. Mm-hmm. If you're a bit more outgoing – um, you want your personality to come out a little bit more, I can build that into the resume. That's so I, cool. I can't pick that up if you're just filling out a questionnaire for yeah. me. And then also you know, the, uh, the in-person human conversation allows me to ask follow-up questions and to really dig deep, uh, which I think, again, plays into my recruiting experience. I, I see red flags in my clients' backgrounds, and I need more context around those red flags so that I know how to um, cover up or, or not, co- not cover up, but yeah. ha- I know how to address those red flags when I'm building out the resume. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, no, I, I like that you said. You know, those red flags that come up. Um, one of the other things that I see too in, in in the resume writing industry, and actually this is pretty new. I didn't know this, but so and and I, this is actually a question I was waiting to ask you because I heard it and I was like, I kind of want to text Ron, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Shoot. I was like, I'm probably gonna have him on the podcast. Let me ask him on the podcast. So. Somebody said the other day it's not uncommon to have a resume that's more than one page now. Is that true? I get this I get this all the time. Not like three pages, but like you just physically can't fit all your credentials mm-hmm. on one page. Like it is just too much to fit. I get this question all the time. What my rule of thumb is if you can get everything onto one page, you should. But you do not have to. There's nothing wrong with a page and a quarter, page and a half, page and three quarters, two-page resume. Mm-hmm. 
generally, general rule of, rule of thumb, nine and a half times out of ten, if you have under ten years of experience, I can get everything onto one page. Yes. Um, but there's, it's not the end of the world if you go onto a second page. Mm, um, I like that. There's, there's a couple of circumstances where it is okay for a three, four, even five-page resume. Five pages? In your world, in, the, in IT. Uh, you get a lot of consultants. Yeah. You know, they do six-month assignments, a year-long assignment. They're just racking up assignments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very – and my best friend's an IT recruiter. Uh-huh. It's, in his world, it's very common for him to get three, four, five-page resumes. And they're all legit, as could be. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just because they have so many short-term stints. Okay. It's, it's just the nature of that industry. And now, so you would put the, all those short, short-term stints on – that resume because well, I hate to cut you off, but the, on, that, that's actually a good question because there's two occupations that I do not take on mm-hmm. as clients. I do not work with IT professionals mm-hmm. and I do not work with engineers. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? The reason being is I'm not smart enough. Oh, uh, true. I can't talk to their language. Mm-hmm. I can't fake it. Yeah. Um, th- they're, they're just – what they do for a living is so beyond my comprehension that I, I just – I can't do their resume justice. Mm-hmm. And there's great resume writers out there that focus specifically in IT and engineering. And yeah. I, I always refer um, those people out to those other resume writers. Yeah. That's oh, – that makes me so happy that you – because I feel like a lot of times – and the people – those are some of the people that don't make it on the show that, you know, they operate outside their wheelhouse. Yeah. They're operating, you know, oh, I can do that. You know, I can do that. I can do that. And it's one thing if you have a team. But a lot of times too – you know, these people say that they can do it, then they try to do it, and then they underperform. They mm-hmm. underpromise. Well, I'll tell you this. So I started the company in 2014. Mm-hmm. Since that time, I've had almost 900 clients. Of the 900 clients, I believe I've had two complaints. Mm-hmm. One was total bullshit. The guy was getting a ton of interviews. He just couldn't close a deal and get oh, and get the not, job offers. That's not my problem. Sorry, the I'm other complaint – no problem. The uh, the other complainant, um, he was an IT professional, and he had a genuine gripe. I just did not do a good job because I just – I didn't really get what he did for a living. And from that point forward, um, I said, you know what? I am not qualified to work with IT professionals. I'm not taking on any more IT clients yeah. because no- nothing's more important than my reputation. Absolutely, absolutely. The um, – it's – and and it's funny because now I come from the IT background. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not and and the, the reason and part of the reason why I asked about the two pages and multiple pages is because we did have one come across, and she actually happened to be a good friend of mine. I don't want to say her name, but she's like, oh, you know, check out my resume, and I was like, all right, cool, let me check out your resume. And her resume was like two pages mm-hmm. packed. Okay. And how old is she? She was in her. God, I don't want her to listen to this and be like, and she will probably figure out who it, who she is. Uh, but I would say she's probably in her mid forties. Mid forties, two solid pages. Two, I mean, packed. What What does she do for a living? It. It's tough for me to say because yeah. I I don't. Does she have mostly a consulting background? Mm-hmm. Which you know, like I said, a, a two, three, four, even five page resume could be justified. I yeah. would need to know more about her situation. But um, I but, saw it and I was blown away i was like oh my like this person has more than one page mm-hmm. and i was like <gasps> yeah i mean because she's an it 
my gut instinct is that it's probably not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I would say I would say outside of IT, less than ten, per, maybe even less than five percent of my clients require two full pages. Mm-hmm. For most of my clients who have. 15 plus years experience we're right around a page and a half and very oftentimes one page Mm -hmm. that's crazy yeah and now when with your younger clients because and i don't want this to sound like just a straight q a but i'm super curious in this topic because this is you know i did i did just get out of college so this is something that was heavily talked about and and i have my career i had my career lined up way before i graduated Mm -hmm. but a lot of these kids you know I'm trying to help him. Like, oh, you know, like I can try to guide you in the right direction. Like I already have my feet on the ground. Like I've already gotten a good chunk of life experience. I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but like I already kind of know what's out there. And right. a lot of these kids, especially in, in the IT field, and I went to school for computer programming, they didn't really have, you know, these personalities that could go out, you know, oh, they're like, how'd you talk to that person? I'm like, I just walked up to him and said, hi. Like, right, right. It's not that hard. And like I'm like looking at some of either the resume. I'm like you go. You need a lot of work on this thing. Like, whew. And then other times it's like you know, have you even left your house? Like mm-hmm. all you have is high school. You know, you got a 4.0 in high school. You didn't do any extracurricular activities, and you have a 4.0 in college, and you didn't do any extracurricular right. activities, and you have a name and an address. Like where do you go? <laughs> it's it's challenging. I mean. It's uh the job market's definitely improving around here, but it's still super tight. It's super competitive, you know. Yeah. And uh, if you have two competing recent college graduate job applicants, mm-hmm. they have similar um, credentials. They graduated from the same school, similar GPA. You know, you got Sally versus Mark. You know, if Sally was in the debate club mm-hmm. and Mark went home every day and ate Cheetos and played, uh, you know, World of Warcraft, the company's probably gonna hire Sally. I know. You know? Um, so I just I, I do think you know for recent college grads, gotta get internship experience. That's my biggest regret. When I went to college, I, I actually studied history. Okay. Oh, wow. I was a college baseball player. Believe it or not, I know I'm like five foot two, <laughs> uh, but I was a college baseball player, yeah. and I, so that that was like that was like thirty forty hours a week. I was working part time oh um, at a drugstore, going to school full time. And I just – I didn't do an internship, uh-huh. and uh, finding full-time employment after graduation was a struggle for me. So my biggest piece of advice for recent grads – or actually, uh, for recent grads, it's too late. Yeah. My advice for 18, 19, 20-year-olds is get an internship. Start early. Bachelor's degree doesn't mean shit in 2017, 2018. Why is that? Ha- you, know a, you know a lot of college graduates that are dumb as a brick, right? Uh, yeah. It's the new high school diploma. That's, oh, that kills me. Inside. Every everybody's got a college degree, so it's 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 kind of a conflict. Because on one hand, a college degree is a bare minimum for a lot of companies. Mm. So we're still at a point in society where you still kind of need one for a lot of jobs. Do you think? But that it's is, not that it's not that impressive. Yeah. Do you think that number is going to be going up as far as man, like mandated? Because I'm a firm believer in you know with with the with the internet now. It's like, well, do I really need to go to college? Like, I could learn almost everything I need to learn yeah. online. Like, you probably didn't need to go to college to learn how to write resumes. You just need to have a good coach, a, some experience. Constantly doing it is big. And then you chose to go through the recruiting background, which is tremendous. That's exactly. An unbelievably strategic play that that gives you a huge advantage. But did you need to go to college for it? Like, 
You know, I mean, it's fu- you never know how life's going to turn out. I mean, there are certain occupations where, yeah, you have to go to college, right? Lawyers, you want to be doctors. a teacher, you have to go to college. You want to be an accountant, you have to have a degree in finance and mm-hmm. accounting, nursing, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, lawyers, doctors. Yep. Yeah, they need that. Like myself, for example, I thought I was going to end up working in a museum or an archive or something nerdy yeah. like that, you know, going to school for history. It didn't play out that way. In hindsight, did I really need to go to college? Um, probably not, mm-hmm. but my first recruiting job required a bachelor's degree, um, and I learned mm. a lot of I learned a lot of great life lessons and discipline going to college, playing the baseball, working 100%. the job. You know, so the I guess long story short, the experience was very valuable, um, and I, I went to a relatively cheap school, so I, I don't have any regrets. I don't have any student yeah. debt or anything like that. These uh, people uh, laying out forty, fifty, sixty grand a year in tuition to get a a, B, a BA in um, English or history or business admin, yeah. you're getting ripped off. Yeah, that's you get, it's a rip. It's not worth like, the investment, I, in my I, opinion. I met a chick way back in the day. Uh, I shouldn't say way back in the day. This was probably like three years ago, and I was like, uh, whatever. We're just talking. I'm like, ah, you know, like well, finishing school soon, like to get my uh, my associates. And she's like, oh, that's cool. She's like, oh, I'm going to college too. I'm like, oh, like where do you go to college? She's like, oh, I go to Columbia. And I was like. Oh wow, that's really impressive school. Sure. And I was like, "What do you go to? What do you go there for?" And she's like, "Well, I don't know. I'm I'm an undecided major." I go, "What does that cost a year?" She's like, "Oh, it cost me sixty thousand a year." I go, "Do you have <laughs> any idea how much money that is?" You're undecided. Go to Suffolk for two years. Exactly. Then you can go anywhere. I'm like, you're racking up to at least a bare minimum. You go through four years of college to get a bachelor's degree, and who the fuck knows? You're gonna get. You're gonna be two hundred plus thousand dollars. I don't get it. Even if you get a scholarship, congratulations, it's still forty thousand, thirty thousand mm. dollars a year. I'm like, that is so. And then on top, of, I don't like, whatever. And now you have that. You come out of college, and now you get. You know, you get your seven percent interest rate or or whatever it is, because your interest rate has no correlation to your credit score. Right. It's just whatever they decide to give you. I'm like, I have a seven percent interest rate right now on my college loans, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I gotta recon, I gotta consolidate these things and get that number cut in like at least half. Sure. I'm like, seven percent a year on a hundred plus thousand dollars. It just oh. to me, it's not a wise investment. Now, now, but but it, we're still in an interesting time in society. I mean, we just had this conversation for the last five minutes, but. There is still something to be said about a degree from a Columbia or a Fordham or an NYU or, you know, any of the other great schools out there. I mean, they having that degree on your resume can open up a lot of doors. Yes, but it's just gonna it's gonna open up doors. You, once you get the actual job, you better perform. You know, once, yes. once you're in the actual real world, nobody gives nobody gives a shit where you went to school. It's all mm-hmm. about can you perform, and just just to go back to the original thought. Getting internships—that's the—that's the real differentiator. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more clients, you know, they have—they—they are looking for "quote unquote" entry-level employees, but they—they they really want to see people with real-world, tangible experience. Yep. Because again, the degree is really not that special anymore. Nope. Nope. And, so. and that's one thing that blows my mind about like the technology field. I had a buddy of mine come up to me, and he's like, "Hey, you know," and this is pretty recent. He's like, "Hey, you know." Uh, is your company hiring? I'm like, yeah. Well, like we're always looking for for people. You know, if, if it's the right match, yeah, yeah. And that's I would say it's most companies. But I'm like, I can't promise anything. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And um, 
He's like, you know, some company offered me X, Y, Z, and it really wasn't that much money. I came out to be like thirty five, forty thousand dollars a year. I think it was like sixteen, seventeen bucks a year, an hour. Yep. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's not enough money. I'm like, not enough money. As the gap on his resume grows and grows and grows, and he becomes more unemployable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's already now out of college for six months plus, and I'm like, he's like, yeah, it's not that much money. I'm like, he's like, I don't think I'm gonna take it. I'm like, and Bad this move. is somebody else that offered him that much money. I'm like, dude, take it. Like, Bad move. Like, what are you waiting for, man? Like, just, like, and he's like, I have experience. And I'm like, what, do you, what experience do you have? And he's like, oh, you know, I work for like a little mom and pop shop. I manage a computer system. I go, that's not experience. Yeah, that's why you're getting 35 40 a year. Take it, suck it up for a year and a half, and then make a jump, and then you'll be making, you know, 60 70 plus. Yeah. You got you to like, get your foot in the door. I was like, dude, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. You have no employable skills in the IT field. Yeah. As far as programming goes, you're probably a stellar programmer, but you – a surgeon can't become an accountant. It just doesn't work. Got to put in your time. Yep. You got it. Like, a, it's great. You failed out of med school in your last year because, you know, you couldn't do an open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Or what, I don't know what the specifications are for it. But, like, okay, well, you can't go to a law firm and say, I went $80,000 a year because I'm XYZ smart. I mean, not a law firm and an accounting firm because yeah. I'm XYZ smart. You have no experience. Mm-hmm. You, have, you just show that you can learn something. There's definitely um – in the job market, there's just a major disconnect, and it's on both ends. A lot of candidates, their expectations of what they're worth and what they're capable of are way out of whack. And there's a lot of out of whack expectations on the employer's ends also. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of employers out there, you know, they, they want A, B, C, D, E, and F, but they're, they're not paying – they're paying 20% below market value. If not more. Just as an example. Yeah. So there's just a lot of disconnects um, in yeah, the job market. Yeah, that's the other thing so. I see too all the time is, you know, and and I don't blame just the candidates. I blame um, I blame a lot of the employers too, you know. Every once in a while, you know, you, you send me stuff. You know, I have all these recruiter friends that, you know, they send me stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, like if I, if I can help out a friend or something like that, mm-hmm. I feel like a million bucks. If I can get one person hired, I've gotten a lot of people jobs in my life. But if I can get one person a job – like, that makes me feel it's so amazing. good. It's the best feeling in the world. But I see, like, these requirements, and I'm like, you want this, 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 this. I'm like, plus you want five years of experience, and you're paying $40,000 yeah. a year? See ya. <laughs> no thanks. Like, I wouldn't even, unless it's in my house where I have <laughs> zero commute and everything else is paid for. And, and you can do it in your shorty robe. Yeah. I am not interested. Like that. I, I get it, man. Blow it. Uh, recruiting's fairly a fairly broken process right now recruiting is yeah now how does recruiting work because that that's another big thing that i and i and i have some friends that are, are recruiters i don't know probably like four or five of them but i never understood how does recruiting work like staffing agency recruiting staffing agent like like what does the process go you know from like how like i don't even know how they work I, don't, I just know that there's somebody that's a recruiter, and if I get a resume that from a friend, I can send it to them, and hopefully yep. they can find some. Like, but like, how do they make money? How does all yeah, the, yeah. How does I, all that stuff go? I could break it down for you. Let's hear it. <laughs> so, recruiting is very similar to any other matchmaking service: real estate agents, um, relationship matchmakers. Okay. Basically, art. So, in the staffing agency world, the client is the hiring company. Okay. Okay. So our obligation is to find them what they're looking for. So uh, as a recruiter, multiple times a day, every day, people would approach me, hey, Ron, can you help me find a job? Mm -hmm. 99% of the time, the answer is probably not. Really? The reason being is my obligation is to the company that is paying me 
that's doing the hiring. Mm. So my job is to match make for them. They tell me they're looking for somebody with A, B, and C. I have my job as a recruiter is to find somebody with A, B, and C. Mm. So rec- staffing agency rec- recruiters don't really get help people find jobs. What staffing agency recruiters do is they help companies identify and hire people. And a byproduct of that is that people get jobs. Mm. But just to be crystal clear, the recruiter's obligation is to the hiring company. Not to the individuals. Exactly. Now, now that, that's, that's not a free pass for recruiters to treat job applicants like, like dirt. No, absolutely. That's not 100%. what I'm saying. But um, they, uh, uh, the great recruiters are very precise matchmakers. They, they, they put forth candidates that, A, meet the qualifications, mm-hmm. B, fit the company's culture, and, and a bunch of other criteria. So at the end of the day, they're matchmakers. Mm-hmm. How do they get paid? So – Company A has an opening. I find them the right candidate. They go through the interview process. The company makes an offer. The candidate accepts. Industry standard is that my client, the hiring company, pays the agency 20% of that candidate's first year salary. So really simple math. I place a candidate. They're making a first year salary of a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. The company pays our agency twenty grand, mm-hmm. and there, there's usually guarantees put in there um, so that if the candidate uh, quits or doesn't show up or gets fired, um, you know the e- the uh, company either gets a refund or a guaranteed replacement candidate. Oh, uh, okay. So that, that's really it. It's, yeah. it's matchmaking. And now, what is and and I don't want to ask too personal information, but like. So the so the recruiting agency gets twenty percent. Like, what actually gets to the recruiter themselves? It all de- who's really doing yep. the grind. Uh, it really all depends. I mean, all all agencies have different compensation structures, and um, you know, like some agents work one hundred percent on commission. Some, you know, mostly younger in the profession will work on um, either a base salary with a small commission or a, a base with a draw. Uh-huh. Um, so. I can't, I can't really give you an answer because every agency and every agent relationship is going to be different. I gotcha. It's very interesting that that's how it works, and I never really would have guessed that the obligation is for – is. I mean, I guess it's to whomever's paying. So if, exactly. if the if the company's paying you, oh, that's pretty cool. It, like just to go back to the relationship matchmaking. So if my client is um, – I don't know if you ever watched like Millionaire Matchmaker or any of those other shows. Mm-hmm. But like let's say, let's say my client is some rich dude and he only wants to see, you know, five foot eight and up smoking hot, you know, smoke show blondes, mm-hmm. right? He's paying me, yeah. As a matchmaker, if I'm putting forth five foot two brunettes, yeah, he's gonna fire my ass, yeah. Right. So my obligations to him, I better get him five foot eight and above blondes that are smoking hotties. That's insane. And, and it's the same way in recruiting. Now, where do you? But now, so when you were doing that, like, where do you get these resumes? Like, where do you get? You know, where do you find these companies? And then, you know, how often were companies like? Hey, you know, I want somebody who has a master's degree, and I'm going to pay them forty thousand dollars a year, and I want them to have ten years of experience. All these unrealistic, like, what would happen if a company was like, "Hey, I need this," and it's completely unrealistic. Um, as a recruiter, you try to coach them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, John, hey, Johnny, uh, your your expectations don't quite meet the salary that you're paying. Can we have a conversation around this? And hopefully, you can coach them to either lower the qualifications or bump up the salary. And if they're not willing to do that, I mean, I just wouldn't take them on as a client. Oh, really? You know, it's it's very similar to like real estate, right? Mm-hmm. If if um if I'm if I'm a real estate agent and you're a buyer and you're like, hey, Ron, my budget's three hundred thousand dollars, 
don't tell me you're looking for a six bedroom with eight bathrooms, uh, an in ground pool, and uh, an infinity pool. Yeah. Right? Because it's just not in your budget. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to take you on as a client. So there's, there's a lot of parallels between recruiting and matchmaking and real estate. And now where do you get that that pool of individuals mm-hmm. to like – because that, that was the other thing I've always found interesting. I'm like, oh, you know, somebody got – and I know people that have specifically gotten hired through recruiters. Yeah. And I'm like, well – A lot of people get their yeah. jobs through I'm recruiters. like, how did you get through to the other side? Like, like – where do you get those people? Where do you find that? Like, that's another huge question I have. Uh, it's, it's, it's an all-the-above all approach. So, you know, most, most good agencies have access to the major job boards, CareerBuilder, okay. Monster.com, uh, Indeed, The Ladders. There's a million. ZipRecruiter. There's a, there's a ton of job boards okay. out there. Um, LinkedIn is a phenomenal resource. Mm-hmm. Uh Email blast, like that's how we yep. kind of connected, right? I would always send out my open jobs, and and people would give me referrals. Actually, the last placement I made was through that email blast. Oh, uh, really? A, fr- a friend oh, of mine cool. had a had a client who was looking for a job, and we ended up placing her. Um, but the best recruiters have a strong network of people. Like they they just they know a lot of people. Yeah, they're um, always out there grinding. Because typically, the most appealing and attractive job seekers are not actively looking for work. Right, because they're good at what they do. They're yeah. working. They're yeah. not out there on Monster.com all day. Yeah. Right. So the best recruiters have access to people that may not necessarily even be looking for a job. That's mm. where the really valuable recruiters come in. It's kind of it's going back to real estate. A great recruiter is like that agent that knows about houses before they hit the MLS, mm. right, or before they're in the the yeah, penny save or, or the newsday, the right? Like they they know about the houses that are coming on the market, and they they may even just know potential sellers that weren't planning on selling their house but you know if the agent presents it the right way hey i have somebody looking to buy are you looking to sell Mm. you know like good recruiters just like good real estate agents can make things happen um even when it doesn't seem on the surface like there's any opportunity there wow yeah it's 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 a tough job though oh i can only a lot of failure i can only imagine a lot of failure that's insane it's like baseball I don't know if you're a sports guy. I'm a huge baseball fan. Not a not a huge sports guy, but I I know sports. In baseball, yeah, you make the Hall of Fame if you hit 300 over your career. Okay, you hit 300. That means you fail seven out of ten times, but you're still a stud. Recruiting's the same way. Ton of failure, but it, but if you're good at your job, you're gonna you're gonna get it right enough mm-hmm. where you're gonna be a Hall of Famer. That's insane. That that's. God, that's insane that that's what that standard is, where you just, you're just finessing just a percentage out of a total. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe failure is maybe like a really strong term, but uh-huh. a lot of things don't work out, yeah. let me say, because I, because our product at the, end of the day, at the end of the day are human beings. Yeah. And human beings do some crazy things. Yeah. You know? well, so. Yeah, you go in for a job interview, and I, and it's funny because I always, I always try to I, – I, browse linkedin every day at this point now mm-hmm. and Which i'm always smart that's a smart move yeah and, and i'm not even looking for jobs i'm just looking you know meet people you know who's got something interesting going on you know hey you know let me spark up a conversation here or there yep and it's always funny because I, I see all these people and you know one lady posted and it was like you know um i'm a i'm a recruiter and i was at the i was at the company when the interviewee was supposed to come and the interviewee was 45 minutes late to the interview and came and he was soaked. Oh, soaking rain. Yeah, yeah. oh, you read yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I think it's you might viral. have commented on it. No, it's viral. Oh, okay. 
And I was like, wow. I was like, that's pretty crazy that, like, he barely even went through the interview process. They just told him to go home and come back to work on Monday because he had the determination of his car broke down. He ran. He was soaked to the bone. And he still showed up. Like, I was like, oh, it's like a pretty motivational yeah. story. If that story's real. I, you know, a lot of people on LinkedIn create stories and just create these fluff posts just so that in the hopes that they go viral. Which that one did. So, yes. but but yeah, I guess it was a good a good moral in that story. But great moral in that. But story. yeah, yeah. T- your point is that a lot of crazy shit happens. Of course, <laughs> during of the course. interview process. Um, and so. employees are, you know, when you are dealing with that human element. I mean, it's not humans aren't computers. You know, if I mm-hmm. leave my computer there overnight in my house, it's gonna be there the next day. Right. Right. You know, a person. You know, hey, come back tomorrow. You, they go home, they talk to their wife, they had a misfit, death. I mean, God forbid, death in the family. Some kind of issue goes on, you know, they got to be somewhere. And they don't show up for work and they're just like, ah, you know, I didn't show up for the first three days. Screw it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't need this anymore. You know, I didn't like the place anyway. I didn't like the culture in the first 24 hours. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, that's and when that stuff happens, the recruiter who thinks they've made a successful placement loses everything they they lose their time they lose the future commission that's about to come in yep like a lot so again it's a great profession if you're good at it but I'll, you have to be resilient resilient mm-hmm. is the number one um attribute that i think all recruiters must have yeah there's just a lot of shit well, i would goes say wrong. it's in sales in general for sure uh, I oh have, yeah i have my sure. buddy pete fasulo and we talked a lot about that you know you're gonna fail a lot mm-hmm. uh and, and when i was in my tech expo this is past uh this past week still. where was that in uh, Texas. Oh, cool. There's a thing called Ingram One, and they have all these different companies come out. And the big thing, the big topic this year is, is security and cybersecurity. Ah, huge. And, um, you know, they had the CEO of the company. It's a multi billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. The CEO comes out, you know, he's there for like 20 minutes, half hour, and they ask, they're asking him a bunch of questions. And one guy actually stood up and he had a question. They're like, oh, you know, let's take one question from the crowd. So nobody raised their hand, believe it or not, for like a minute or two. Hmm. And finally, and I had a couple ideas of questions that I wanted to ask, but I'm like, I don't know if it was covered. You know, it was my first time here. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to ask something stupid that probably may have been answered already. So one guy stands up and he's like, uh, you know, what's the biggest thing that biggest piece of advice you can give to business owners and business people and people in sales right now? And uh, one of his greatest points was, you know, fail and fail fast. Yeah. He goes, you don't want to spend all of this time working towards a failure and then it fails and you yes. you waste all of your time working on something thinking that you're going to get a product out of it or a solution out of it and then it fails mm-hmm. do it do it rapidly fail really quickly and determine that that is not a path to success and move on to the next one that's amazing advice yeah you know just leave it behind you know uh change the course a little bit you know, and find what does work. Yeah, so, yeah. No, that's that's phenomenal advice. I, I'm, and I I use that, and I see, and I see a lot of people use it. Every, I mean, mm-hmm. more and more as you know, as as you get more in tune with what you're doing. And I'm sure you're obviously a ninja in the resume industry, <laughs> and I'm trying to become a ninja in the sales industry, not the sales, the IT industry. But like, you see these people, you know, hey, you know, you might not be a good fit for us, like. But like I need to, det- I want to determine that in the first five minutes, ten minutes. And I think that just comes with experience. Yes. You know, you you. You get burned a couple times. You you start to you, you you gain the ability to to weed out uh, people that are going to waste your time, and you, and and over time you get to weed those people out earlier and earlier in the process, yep. where you're just really honing in on um, you know potential clients that you can can actually convert. Yeah. But ha- so how did you land here? Like, what's your story? So, um, 
You want the full, full story? Uh, yeah, like, just, I guess, the most recent history, how you ultimately ended up at Nerds That Care. Um, so, I'm a volunteer firefighter. Okay. Uh, I've been doing that for seven years now. Um, and I was going to college. You know, I was going to college and trying to spruce up a resume. Where'd you go? To, uh, Farmingdale State. Okay. Went to Suffolk and then went to Farmingdale State. And uh, sprucing up my resume, you know, just looking for um, anything, an entry-level job, an internship. Uh, but I was going to school for computer programming. And I, was, I went strictly for the money. You know, computer programmers get paid a shitload of yeah, money. They get Especially if you're sick. good, two or three years, you can yep. clear $200,000. Easy. Easy if you're good. So, and I and I and when I start doing something a lot, I get really, really good. And after I get really good, then I start getting overly obsessed with things. And then I try, <laughs> and then I become a perfectionist. Right. And then I go, I take things way too far, ninety nine percent of the time. So you're all in. Yeah, all. Yep. Here it is. I'm, I figured I'm good at it. Let's go. Let's go all in. Like I'll figure out the science of different things and all this. And then I start, and then I get crazy. But. Couldn't find anything anywhere. I'm like, shit, I cannot find an entry-level job, an internship in programming. The school is doing a, mm. a, a shit job at at trying to find internships for us. Cause, Farmingdale's, I mean, Farmingdale University. I hope somebody from Farmingdale University's career department is listening to this. They're pathetic. Oh, I thought you were going to say they're great. No, they're pathetic. Oh. I, I've had entry-level jobs, and I've, I've approached them. And it, not to put them on blast. It's most colleges, actually. Mm-hmm. Their career services are awful. Um, anytime I would approach Farmingdale and, and most of the other schools around here with a, with a job opportunity, a real job opportunity, and I'm looking for a recent grad, mm-hmm. their answer was always posted to the job board. You know? It's, like yeah, their what, job should be to advocate for the students yep. so that they can justify the tuition. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but, no, no, but, no, no but, but I totally get yeah. your experience yeah, at Farmingdale. Yeah, they were just doing a, sh- they were just doing a shit terrible. job. That's and, terrible. And, and like I said, it's most colleges. It's not just them. It's yeah. just, I just happen to be going to that school. So I'm like, well, fuck. Like, what am I going to do? Like, so I was at the firehouse one day and one of the guys was like, hey, you know, my, com- my cousin owns an IT company. I know it's not what you're looking for, mm-hmm. but – I'm like, ah, you know, maybe at least it's a foot in the door. I can start with IT, and then at least I have some kind of computer experience. I'm surrounding myself with it, you know, and then I'll get, uh, um, I'll go into programming. And um, I wound up taking the internship here. Okay. And a couple months later, they wound up offering me a position. And then from there, it ended up into, you know, James, who's been on the podcast before, he was like, hey, look, you, you, you were a bartender for years. You obviously know how to talk to people. You're not afraid to talk about money. Like, maybe, bring, yeah. Right. Bring the two worlds together. Yep. Do you want to do sales? And I was like, whatever. Yeah, I'll do sales. Like, worst comes to worst, I'll fail. I'll fail fast at it. I'm not. I'm going to realize I'm not good at it. Right. And then I'm just going to go back to becoming being a tech. And what do you have to lose, I, though? Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's another thing. I think that people my age don't – are so afraid of failure. They're mm-hmm. so afraid. I'm like, what's the worst that happens? Like – if you're a good person and you're a genuinely hard worker, you might just not fit the bill for something. Exactly. At least try it. Absolutely. And Especially when you're that young in your career. Yeah. You know, like when, when you're 22, 23, like y- you think you need like immediate success, but mm. you don't, you know, at that moment, you don't really realize how much your future is still ahead of you. So like that's the time to fail yep. when you don't have a house, when you well, don't have kids. The problem is these things, these goddamn cell phones, because everything is instant. Yeah. You know? Oh my god! I have the most adorable dog. Let me post it on on Instagram. Boom! <gasps> Somebody likes it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, somebody gave me a like. Right. Oh my god, somebody gave me a comment. I must have the most adorable dog. Right, it's you like know? a drug. You, yeah, you know, you want that instant gratification, the instant results, and it, and that's just not really the way the the work world works. Yep. You know, so you got to be willing to grind it out. So, how long have you been at Nerdsec here? So I've been here for uh, just about two years. Two years. Yeah. So that was an incredible job of recruiting on their end. You know, they found yeah. somebody who was eager and hungry, had the a little bit of an IT background, but like to make the correlation that wow, this guy was a bartender. He can hold a conversation. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. Let's put him in sales mm-hmm. you know that's that's matchmaking yeah yep. oh like whoever hired you is a matchmaker yeah and that's a great recruiter um and it, and it wasn't even a recruiter it was it was it was james and mike and and arker here um but it was just you know i'm like look you know maybe maybe i will like it i i am a bit i don't want to say a party animal but like i am down to go to a party you know mm-hmm. if there's a party hey you know stay out till 11 o'clock tonight all right cool let's go like let's go yeah oh you know it, it was i was always just and then and I think one of the other things that made me more successful than a lot of people my age to this point is, you know, and one of my buddies, Joe, has has said this, um, you know, be a yes man. You know, hey, do you want to do this? Yes. Do you want to do this? Yes. Do you want to do this? Yes. Is it going to cost me money? All right. Why not? Like, if, if it's not going to ruin me financially, let's do it, you know? Yeah, let's have some long-term, yeah. like, strategies, I long-term tell, vision. I tell all my friends, I'm like, look, if you're, if you're doing something, you're starting a business – you're selling photography, you're doing art, you're doing this, and you're looking to sell something, call me. I'll be your first customer 100% mm-hmm. of the time. And people are like, why? I'm like, I wish, you know, when when I was growing up, you know, I tried to get it, it growing up. I'm still growing, but, you know, I was trying to get into you're photography. You're a growing boy. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, growing in all different aspects. But I tried to start all these different things and never really found support. And I actually don't really talk about this much, but, like, even with the podcast, I was like, oh, you know, like, let me start a podcast. I'm like, fuck, like, nobody's going to support me. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was a lot of negative air that came with it, you know. Oh, dude, nobody's going to listen. Like, dude, you're Why are you wasting your time? Yeah, you're Harrison from Bayport, a fucking four-by-four square mile or, (laughs) yeah, two-by-two square mile town that – is in the middle of Suffolk County that nobody knows except for for the beer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, now just because of the beer. And I'm like, well, like – well, that sucks. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Tony Robbins used to do spe- give speeches to a fucking empty room. You know, Got to start somewhere. Yeah, you got Gary Vaynerchuk, who was a nobody three years ago. And all of a sudden, now he's a social media king mm-hmm. because he's just – he's grinding. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't care if you tell him to stop. He's not going to listen. And I was like, why not do it? And, yeah. that's, and that's basically, you know, try it. Do it. And don't give up if nobody buys your, your stuff after a week. Figure out, is your process wrong? Like, there's got to be something wrong because I've seen way too many people that are way too unintelligent be unbelievably successful in this world. Yeah, and I I think uh, I think a lot of their successes on, they just don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. They don't care what you think. They just go out there and the do most, their thing. It's the right? most so important thing. The they might not be the smartest people out there, but they know what they're good at and they just do it and they, they block out the haters. Yep. You know? And that's what you're doing with the podcast. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, because – you know, who knows? All you need is one important person with an audience to hear this, mm-hmm. to hear one of your shows. They they link it up to something, you know, that they're posting. And the next thing you know, like, your listenership is bloomed by, like, a hundred times, you know? Oh, it'd be so crazy. Just that'd keep doing what you love. Crank it out, crank out the content. And if it was meant to be, it, it'll happen. Absolutely. I mean, everybody says, you know, oh, look at, look at Rogan. Like, Rogan's always one of the bigger podcasters out there. And I'm like, yeah, like, Rogan's huge. I'm like... I was like, hey, you know, I want to be the next Rogan. People are like, dude, no way. You can't be the next Rogan. I'm like, why not? And they're like, dude, he's so big. I'm like, 
did you forget that he's been doing this for eight years? Yeah. Like, you're going to be tremendously successful at almost anything you do if you do it really well for eight years. And if you listen to his first, you know, 100 episodes, 200 episodes, because now he's up to well into the thousands. Mm-hmm. They all sucked. Right, right. They were so bad. But he had the talent in him. Yes. Right? And he just, and just you know, it's just, it. it's just a numbers game. Yep. You know, you just keep cranking them out, grinding yep. it out. And as long as they're decent, you know, they don't have to be – not every podcast I'm going to do is going to be a 10 out of 10 on my on my list. I mean, this one's a 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. They're not all going to live up to this, you know, to these <laughs> expectations. But, you know, I'm, there's going to be clients that I – clients. There's going to be guests I have that, you know, they're not going to be – a 10 out of 10, and a lot of times it's not because they're not a 10 out of 10. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, you ha- you bring in other fears. You know, sometimes there's a camera up. Sometimes, you know, I'm taking a photo. Sometimes sometimes they've never been in front of the microphone. Like, that was great. You had a podcast back in the day. You've been in front of a microphone. Yep. Some of these people are outrageously prestigious at what they do and are phenomenal at what they do. Some of the best. But they have never done – they've never been on a microphone. They get scared. They get mm-hmm. nervous. All those different fears come into play. So that's – Yeah, and that's definitely going to affect the quality of the podcast. You know? No. And that's out of your control. You know, what can you do about it? But just say, yeah, chalk that up to an L. Keep yeah. it moving. <laughs> like, chalk, chalk it up to – the. It, it, it's just so tremendous. And when you do find somebody that excels in in the podcast, and this is a format that they love to do, it's tremendous – the passion that they could show through the microphone because that's the other thing, you know. Some people are super passionate about what they do, but once you put this weird-shaped object up, it's, right, right. It, 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 it's, a, game, in yo, it's a game changer, an absolute game changer. And I, I honestly don't know what triggers it, but, I mean, I guess now I have what, – what do I have? I have almost 100 shows worth of experience. At this, Over 100 now? Almost that's 100. Crazy. Almost. Between my old show and this show now, I've okay. almost at 100 shows – in my career, uh, what am I at? I'm at 58 just went up, 58 plus 27, I don't know, somewhere in the 80s. I'm not good at math. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually pretty <laughs> decent at math. I'm, today was a, today. It's probably around 84, 85 or something like that. It's some. It's somewhere right there. All right, so you're approaching uh, the century mark. It's. I'm excited. You know, I, you I don't know. Uh, 85. Um, I mean, it's going to be – it'll be less than 100 on this show that I'll mm-hmm. hit 100. But I'm like, wow, I sat down with 100 people or 100 times sitting on the microphone talking. And now it's like, you know, my first episodes, they were a little nerve-wracking, especially because it was like somebody's going to hear this. Somebody's going to see – and and you you obviously know you're you're making you're making something that could determine the fate of somebody's yeah, I get career. It. I totally get it. Yeah, you're worried that you're going to be judged. That, that's what drives my – that's what drives me. Every client, what drives me is that they're going to hate the resume. Like that's why I get so committed and I'm just so focused on giving them something that they'll be proud to put forth into the world mm-hmm. that could potentially give them a, a 20% increase in their salary. You know, I, I take it very seriously. And it seems like that's how you treat the podcast. You know, you, you, you want to put, you know, when you did your first couple shows and you had 10 listeners, you you treated it like you were friggin' Howard Stern, you know? Yeah, oh, you have to. And that's the only way to do it. You got to be balls to the wall, all in. Or else why else are you doing it? Uh, no, you know? 100%. 100%. I'm taking my little video too. Um, but it, if you go into something, you know, with the expectation of fail, and I tell everybody this, and this isn't just a this isn't just a podcast. You know, it's with it's with their resume, it's with their job application, it's with you know the career path. Because 
I, I guess now people are people are slowly starting to hear about the podcast in a weird way where they're mm-hmm. like, hey, you're the kid with the podcast. Or, you know, you're Harrison. Oh, my God, I listen to your show. And I'm like, I don't know why you do that, but whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> what is wrong yeah, with you? I don't know why anyone would listen to this. But I'm like, you know, why do you do it? You know, are you afraid? I'm like, afraid of what? What? Like, what is so bad? Like, nobody's going to come in here and – you know, light the building on fire. Nobody's gonna like my. Nobody's. I'm not running for president. Yeah. Like God for, yet. Like, yeah, yet until God even if us. I do, somebody's gonna dig through my old podcast. <laughs> yeah. and be like Harrison said this and cut up the audio and yep. screw the whole thing yep. up. But uh, you know, there's nothing. Okay, great. So you tried something, you failed at it. So now you know that you can't do that. Right. Why are you gonna give up? Which like, is awesome. I think it's super valuable to figure out what you're not good at. Oh, oh, 100%. There's so much value in that because mm-hmm. then you could devote all your energy to the things that you're interested in and yep. that you're actually talented at. Yep. I, so I so if you more. sucked at podcast, all right, at least you found out and now yeah. you could you know, let it I go st- and move yeah. on to the next one. I still project. don't even think I'm good at podcasts. But... Oh, you're probably right. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just kidding. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's an outlet. And, I, I, and this was one of the core values that I really built the podcast on. I'm like, you know, if I can help one person – like if I could bring all these amazing people in, in in the studio, and I get to hang out with them, and I get to learn, great. But if this podcast reaches one person, and that one person's life changes because they took your advice, they took you know Vincent Gebbia's advice, they took Billy Overo, they took Tim, you know whoever it may be, or John Keel, you know Lee, whoever it may be, and they took that one person's advice, and it flipped their life. That's amazing for the better. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like. That makes me so happy. You know, I've listened – I've heard people's feedback like, hey, you know, dude, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, oh, like what would you think? Like thinking – nobody really says anything negative about it. But I'm like, oh, you know, like usually like, oh, it's pretty good. You know, this person had a great idea. Like I've – like slowly people are coming and like, dude, I listen to your podcast. Not only is that person amazing, but now I'm pumped to try to do something. And right. I'm like, so it's that's motivating. really cool. That's all, Like that, that was what's not – better than that, man. Yeah. I'm like that was not the intention of this. And if that's a byproduct, <laughs> oh, that like – Makes my life so much better. Yeah, that's just gravy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's gravy on the it's potatoes. The coolest feeling in the world, like being able to have somebody come up to you and say, you know, hey, look, you know, what you did has changed my life mm-hmm. is tremendous. And I'm waiting for the and and I'm sure it'll come one day. You know, hopefully somebody's gonna be like, hey, look, you know, I took your advice of somebody that was on your show. I heard about him because you had him on. And now, boom! I'm interested in doing this, and I'm doing this, mm-hmm. and I've grown. You know, I built a business, and I started doing this, and I made now making whatever this and this and this and this. And like, I had an epiphany. I've talked about it before, but one of my guests, I think it was Adam, was leaving, and uh, he's like, "Oh, I listen to your podcast. I listen to John Keel's podcast, mm-hmm. and he's got some really cool watches. I think I'm going to buy one." And I'm like, "You happen to go back twelve episodes." Listen to somebody else who you have no idea who it is. Right. Like the guy. Went as far as going on their website. Went to their website and then thought about buying something. Like, I, I don't know if he did or not. I haven't spoken to him. But that's not the, the point. The but, point is that, like, your your little podcast. Exactly. Right? Created this potential transaction. Just created an interest in this guy's brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to a lot of people, that might sound kind of silly. I think that's fucking awesome. Think, oh, it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, what are the chances yeah. that 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 happened? 
it's only going to happen more and more as you get more and more yeah, listeners. So of course, get I, ready. I, 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 <laughs> but I just wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't. I mean, I knew. I thought at least I thought it would happen at some point. But I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, I didn't think I was like, oh, you know, maybe it'll have to be a thousand episodes till mm-hmm. somebody like clicks in with somebody else. And I'm like, whatever. I don't remember what they were, but I think it was before number fifty. And I'm like, holy shit! Like, that's tremendous. And it didn't even happen on the air. It happened. You know, we were walking out to the parking lot, mm-hmm. and I was just like, wow, that's. Listen, man, just the right piece of content hit the right person at the right time, and you never know when that's going to happen. You can't plan for that. Yeah. You can't script that. Yep. So yep. just. Do your thing. I, and I tell people, and and the, what drives me nuts about the show too is, you know, I have people that are like, you know, how many? I'm like, oh, you know, this person would probably be a pretty good person on my podcast, and you know, I'm like, hey, you know, do, would you have any interest in being on my podcast? And the person's like, well, how many people do you reach? I'm like, well, that's already the wrong attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an hour and a half, dude. Like, you're starting your business. <laughs> right. You obviously needed customers to start your business. All I need you to do is sit down for an hour and a half with me, and if you want to do me the favor of sending it out to your network, great. If you don't want to send it out to your network, at least I produce some content, and who knows what will hear it. Absolutely. You know? That's such a short-sighted uh, perspective. To, oh, absolutely. To, to, you know, right off the bat, well, how many listeners yeah. do you have? Like, and, who, who are you? <laughs> um, like, look at Justin Bieber, you know, as, as yeah, crazy YouTube. as that little fucker is. He got signed by... Oh, I forget who found Justin Bieber, but he created a YouTube video. I think it was Usher, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it was Usher. And, you know, he got found on YouTube. Yep. And now he's one of the most famous people on the face of the earth off of a goddamn YouTube yep. channel. Like, like the ability to gain exposure in 2017 and just find your way to the right connections and the right people mm-hmm. and the right network. I mean, we've never seen anything like this in history. You know, pre-YouTube, you had to go through the traditional record label channels and, you know, mm-hmm. all that bullshit, uh, payola, getting on the radio. It's Now you post a clip to YouTube, the right person sees it, millions of views. You YouTube, know. you can post to Facebook. It goes viral. Musically, Facebook. Yep. You can post it wherever you want. There's so many platforms, and all, all it has to do is be clicked by, you know, one of these major media outlets. You know, my buddy Adam Schleichhorn has been on the show, and he was like, hey, you know, Huffington Post – um, as much as, you know, I don't know if he likes or dislikes them, but he's like, you know, Huffington Post will do a write-up on me every once in a while because my video came out, and they're like, look at this crazy kid, Adam Adam Schleichord. He's creating all these ridiculous YouTube videos mm-hmm. that, you know, are, are going out there, and and all of a sudden he goes from, you know, 5,000 views to a million views on a on a video, and you're like, crazy. holy Christ. But you know what? He's He's talented enough, and he's putting out something that is resonating with people. It's interesting. A hundred percent. That's the formula. If you're, if you're, if what you're putting out is good enough, quality enough, and interesting enough, somebody's gonna find it. Oh, that's the goal. That's the goal. So it's uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very crazy world. And then you have, and then there's the. I guess, uh, I guess, because I'm saying, you know, you fail fast, but there's some people out there that you know they do it for. They do like, like you said, it's the barriers to entry on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can set up that Wix website, boom, you're all of a sudden a resume writer. Well, right. what experience do you have? How are you that dedicated to it? Mm-hmm. You know, I see those people all the time, and I don't particularly care if you want to start a podcast. I, I know, and all actuality, I try to help people that are starting podcasts. Like, hey, you know, I'll I'll tell you how to like get started. You know, if you want to get more mics, you know, I kind of figured all that stuff out. But what drives me nuts is I started. Brutally Honest Podcast, and all of a sudden, like, four or five other people started right after me. Brutally Honest Podcast, Brutally Honest Podcast, Brutally Honest Podcast. They they started with the same name? Yeah. Yep, yep. I'm pretty – and I would bet money on it because I had it for several months. Okay. And when uh, And when I was looking up 
um, names I actually searched brutally on this podcast and nothing came up. I was the only one. I was like, oh, cool. I have a unique name. And then you and, launch and there's all these And then all of a sudden, a couple, a couple weeks later, boom, 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 boom. And now there's like four or five brutally on this podcast. And I'm like – like what? Like why you know, don't you do it's, that? It sucks, but don't lose sleep over it. I mean, no. like I don't want to give off the um, the perception, or I don't want to project that. Like I worry about these uh, quote unquote resume writers. I think they give the industry a bad name. I think um, I think they, but I don't lose sleep over them. My major concern is that they're not delivering quality content for their clients. That mm-hmm. they're actually doing a disservice. Um, that's where my beef. Yeah. With you know. Every uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry yep. resume writer comes along, that, and that and it's that's where my beef comes in. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't care if you start a podcast. Great, you want to take the name, great, but at least continue. Like yeah. they're starting to fall off the face of the earth, and I'm like, I, as soon as I see them, saw them, you know, I'm like, I know I'm going to outwork all these people. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact I'm going to produce more content, better content, and I'm going to keep going. You know, a lot of these people, you know, they're. Firing up a podcast and, you know, it lasts like three weeks, last a month, last right. two months, last three months. And then at those end of those two, three months, you know, it's done. And now it's frozen there forever. Yep. And I, I don't care if it's frozen there forever, but, like, you're still showing up on iTunes. Like, dude, you haven't done it in six months and you're still hosting it on iTunes. Like, nobody's listening to it. And even if they are, they can't listen to any more than what you've already produced. Right, right. Like, there's nothing continuing. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you, you can't let it. You can't let it take up any energy. No, of no, yours. No, no, it can't. It can't uh, take up any space in your mind. You know, because you're you're cranking out a ton of shows. That's where your focus and energy has to be. Like they don't even exist. No, you, know, you got to keep it moving forward. Yeah, I agree, hundred you know, percent. Don't lose any sleep over that. hundred percent. But it's but. just super irritating when you see somebody and and I people. You know, I've had people come up to me and they're like, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking about starting a podcast." I'm like, "Great." I was like, "I don't think you understand, though." You need to be super committed, mm-hmm. super committed. Like, what do you mean? I was like, if you think you're busy now and you say that you're so busy, start adding on, you know, an hour show, an hour and a half show. You know, the show's not really an hour and a half. The show's two hours, or two hours plus. Right. Especially for the guy making it. You know, you come in, you got here at what, six, just before six o'clock. By the time we started, it was like 6.15. So you've already been here for 20 minutes or so. We're hanging out, shooting the shit, giving mm-hmm. you a tour of the building. And then, you know, the podcast is about an hour and a half. Sometimes it goes over, sometimes it's a little short. And then, you know, we usually stop. Hey, what would you think? How's everything going? Right, right. And, then, and you're probably not even factoring, like, the mental energy. Like, probably at some point today or yesterday, you were like, oh, what am I going to talk to Ron about tomorrow? Like, how's it going to go? Uh-huh. And, you know, that like, that all adds up. You know, it's, it's, it's yep. an all-in commitment. And then, okay, so great. Now, now we finish. You know, I'll still... You know, if you want to hang out for a few minutes, we'll hang out for a few minutes. You want to, we'll walk out to the cars together, whatever it may be. And then it's, okay, great. Now that's over. I still have to go home and take 30 minutes or 15 minutes or however long it takes me to go through. And some, some episodes, you know, I do have to do a little bit of cutting up and make sure it's right. semi-okay for the, I don't want to say the public, but, you know, sometimes we get a little too carried away. I got to make sure I slice <laughs> out some of the stuff that we get a little too ridiculous on. But, and then it's a half hour of that. Then it's, you know... Hey, did I get like, like the one I just did? You know, hey, can you give me a bio? Oh, I can't get it till till till, till tomorrow. Right, and now you yep. want now you're saying you want to take on even more promotional work, like yep. put it on more um, platforms. Yep. That's going to add more and, time yep. to it. And now it's and then I'm working on my website, and then it's like, okay, so the podcast, yeah, is an hour and a half, but 
factor in all the podcast is the shortest thing I do out of all of it. Right, know? exactly. I sat, I sat on my website the other night for four hours mm-hmm. trying to link up a MailChimp account to that. So you know, as soon as it would, as soon as somebody signs up for the mailing letter, it would kick out a, it would kick out a blast, and then it's not syncing correctly, and the the connection's not saving. And I'm like, oh my god, the podcast is cake. It's all this other shit that's like, yep. Ugh. But I think I think it's all the other nonsense or the headaches that like really prove your dedication to it. You know, if you got to really love the podcast if you're willing to do all the other legwork to uh-huh. make it work, you know. Uh-huh. So my my buddy's it's always, all worth it. Yeah, my buddy's always break my chops like, ah, oh, you know, it's just a podcast. Like, oh, I mean, you guys don't know. Mm-hmm. And this is and the craziest thing is it's for free. Yeah, but you know what? It's your little secret. They don't know how difficult it is, but it's your secret. You could, just, you know, what you just put your head down every day, crank out your podcast. And uh, keep it moving forward. Yeah. You know, that that's what matters at the end of the day. 100%. That you love it, you're putting in the work, you're dedicated, and hopefully one day it blows up. That's the goal. <laughs> but that's that's the story of the podcast. Very cool. The, okay. That's a pretty in-length version of it. I mean, I started one with my buddy Cam, and that's on other shows too. So if you listen to a lot of them, you'll hear the entire front to end. Okay. But that's that's pretty the pretty good gist of it. And how, well, I shouldn't say the podcast, but that's pretty much how I ended up at Nerds and then started the podcast and then the continuing working of the podcast. Very cool. A lot of information. No, it's, I, I love uh, – I'll listen to anybody who's got an interesting story. Like I, I love um, – I just love hearing the background of – you know how you start at A and you end up at Z. You know I I love everything in between. Bounce around like a. I just love ball. people that hustle and just like are passionate about something. Yeah. Like I don't care what you're passionate about. I I love the passion. You know. Yes. You yes. could collect stamps, right? If you're all in on stamps and you're passionate about it, I'm gonna be interested in hearing about it. I'm trying to have a coin guy on. I'm working on having and he nice. and good good buddy of mine, excuse me, and he collects super rare coins, buys and sells super rare coins. He's like, ah, oh, this one's like from the 1400s. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, to me, it looks like a little piece of metal, but you know, to other people, he's super passionate about that. And you, Amazing. you could tell that the second you start talking to somebody. Like, I'm really passionate about resumes. It's like the nerdiest topic. I ever. was gonna say that is like the most un, I don't want to say unexciting, but it really is kind of super unexciting. You know what it is? But I, I kind of figured it out. This business I have, I, I, I'm an extrovert and introvert. And this business allows me to do both. Mm. When I'm in sales mode and I, I'm trying to bring in clients, that's my time to be extroverted. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing my consultations with my clients, that's my time to be extroverted. But then once I'm go- I sit down to write the documents, then that's my introverted, nerdy self where I'm locked into a Word document yeah. for like six hours. Yeah. You know, making every making sure everything's consistent and lined up, and like really evaluating every word and every bullet point. So yeah. it really it it's uh, so it satisfies satisfies my extroverted and introverted needs. Yeah, that's uh, on so a personal cool. level. And people, so. and it's it's crazy because it's like people like you, like yes, we at the nerds we help businesses at the podcast. I try to help people, but like you are giving somebody. I don't want to say giving somebody the ability to get hired because they have the ability to get hired, but mm-hmm. you're giving them their first foot in the door. To have the opportunity. Yes. And yeah, that that's the word. So that's the word. I, I feel like I, I help create opportunities for my clients. I, ha- I have a lot of sayings, but one of my sayings is that you can absolutely go through your entire career with a shitty resume, a flawed resume. There's, there's people who go through an entire career without a resume. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely do those things. The problem is if you have a flawed resume – you you will never know about the opportunities that never came your way. 
right? Mm. There could be the there could be the opportunity of a lifetime out there, but maybe you're not getting the phone call because there's a spelling error or or whatever the case is with the resume. So again, you can be super successful with a mediocre or even no resume, but I just I just think it's the right move to yeah. have an amazing document so that you're not losing opportunities. Opportunity. And you, again, you'll never know about the opportunities that never came your way. And that's mm. that's kind of a crappy way to live life, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And so it's, and so it's, I, I think I bring my clients opportunity. Yeah, and and the, and the nice part is too, you know, it's one, it's a living document. You know, that document is always yes. You can always be changing it. You should I, be. And which which is great. One and two, you know, even if you're not, even if it's not a living document, let's just say, hey, you know, Ron, can you make me a resume? You know, it's almost a snapshot of your life. Yeah. To that point, like yep. you know, you could save that. Re- you could save that document, and you, and you look back and you know, oh, it was twenty years ago. Like holy shit, I paid. I had Ron Ron do that resume twenty years ago. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I was a dick at twenty two, <laughs> but I was like, wow, I'm pretty smart. Like I don't. Know, I was like, I don't know how this thing got me to wherever the hell I am right, now, but right. I'm like, wow, like that's a resume is essentially. Cool. So the, the way I treat each client's resume is that I, I look at it as if I am creating their commercial. Mm. That's what it is. It really is. At the end of the day, like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm essentially – I look at myself as like Mad Men. Mm. I'm Don Draper <laughs> for my clients. You know, I, I'm here to pump up their strengths, yep. make them look like a rock star, and downplay their weaknesses and their flaws. Yep. And everybody's got flaws and everybody's got strengths. 100%. Just, but the resume is not the place to talk about it. Yes. So an example I give is let's take a commercial for a, a kid's cereal. Mm-hmm. You know, Saturday morning, car- Sunday morning cartoons. There's a there's a commercial on for uh, Fruity Pebbles. The Fruity Pebbles commercial. They're not talking about all the sugar and the the shit, you know, and <laughs> the artificial colors and the artificial, you know, all the nonsense that's in it. Right. This will probably lead to diabetes. Exactly. They don't mention that. It's true, but they're not going to say that in their commercial. Of they're they're going to say this is part of a well balanced diet, right? Yeah. And this is uh, this has nine oats and grains and all, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. barley or whatever, whatever, whatever's in cereal. Uh, the the point is, a, a resume is like a commercial. Uh-huh. Everybody has flaws, weaknesses professional mistakes the job of a great resume is to put those on the back burner and we're here to pump you up like we are here to demonstrate value if you interview me and you hire me this is what you're going to get out of me Mm -hmm. right so you know resumes are like serial commercials (laughs) and and the and the the one crazy part too is you know with, with the hiring process and the resumes you know sometimes that's that is your first chance. Like mm-hmm. that person has no idea. You have one shot to get it right, or you will never be seen again. Yeah. Well, increasingly, um, LinkedIn. In my opinion, in 2017, we're almost in 2018. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is as important as a resume, and in certain really? in certain circumstances, more important. Um, for, for, you know, piggybacking on the conversation we had a couple minutes ago. People people are being discovered on more and more platforms, you know? So, like, the resume is, like, the old-school model of submitting your demo to Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still do that. You can still get a major rec- record label deal doing that. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn's, like, the equivalent of Bieber posting to YouTube. Yeah. You know, you if you have a solid LinkedIn presence, the right recruiters and the right opportunities and the right potential collaborators and partners can find you. Um so yeah, LinkedIn. I am 
you're not going to meet a bigger advocate of LinkedIn than than myself. No, absolutely. I mean, and and to, total to, game changer. Oh, absolutely. To play back on your conversation before too about you know finding those people who aren't really looking for jobs. Yes. You know, I get an offer once every week or two. Mm-hmm. You know, hey. Not sure if you're interested, but I have a stellar opportunity, and you're a perfect fit for what I'm looking for. And I just keep my LinkedIn profile updated, so you know, for business, you know, I want yeah, somebody. Yeah, for you, it's it's super important because you're a salesperson. Yeah. So it's good on two levels, mm-hmm. right? You can proactively develop relationships and and you know make introductions and business develop. And then on the other end, you know, you you're not you're comfortably employed now. You're not looking wherever the case is, but but you can use it as a. Uh, you know, a method of being recruited. Yes. So for salespeople, yeah. it's important on yeah. multiple I, all levels. All people. All people. I mean, I, I I couldn't – and that was one of the biggest things I advocated too when, when I was in college. I'm like – people are like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like, do you guys have a LinkedIn yet? And they're like, mm-hmm. no. And I'm like, what are you – first of all, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you spend – you're a goddamn computer major. You spend – 18 hours a day, 17 hours a day sitting on your computer, if not more because those people don't sleep because they're night owls and they're up at a moderately <laughs> decent time. So they go to bed 2, 3 in the morning yeah. and they're up at 9 you know, because that's when the sun starts shining in their eyes and they got to wake up. You know, you're spending your whole day on the computer. How do you not have a LinkedIn? Yeah. Uh, in 2017, so LinkedIn's been around probably 10, 11, 12 years, something around there. In 2017, if you do not have a LinkedIn profile, a that's a major red flag to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just e- just have a basic profile. Um, I don't know. It's just bizarre to me to, yeah. to be a professional and to not have a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. To be but anybody and not me. have a LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I mean, that's just me. It's it's like not even not even to get your name out there, but like – you know, God forbid something happens down the road. You know, okay, you lose your job. You know, you have – there's well, always yeah. that opportunity. Like I said, back to the opportunity. You know, that resume is that opportunity. You know, now you convert that resume to a, to a LinkedIn page mm-hmm. or a semi-decent LinkedIn page. You know, at least you can be found even if you're not looking, yep. you know. 100%. You never know when somebody's going to go knocking. Hey, you have the exact qualifications we need. Yeah, Everything you're saying is about being proactive uh-huh. because you could be comfortably employed today. Uh, a tornado could hit your office building tomorrow and you're out of a job. Gone. Right? Your boss can get hit by a bus and the company folds. So you got to be proactive about these things because you never know when the shit's going to hit the fan. And what I will say is um, 90 – I would say 95% of my clients are currently and, cur- and comfortably employed. Oh, that's my good. clients wow, that's are awesome. smart people. Yeah, they they they're getting their documents done when they don't need them done. It, oh, the best so time smart. to hire me is when you don't really need me. Mm. Okay, because the worst time to to hire a resume writer is when you're you get laid off, you get fired, you're panicked, you're making bad decisions, you're mm-hmm. just nervous, your head's not all there, and then that's when you hire the fifty dollar resume writer and you get a piece of shit. Because you have no money. And then, and then because you can't make the investment or you're afraid to make the investment because you want to be tight with your cash. And I totally get that. But that's when you make bad decisions. You hire the $50 resume writer. And instead of being unemployed um, or not getting interviews for a month or two, now you're unemployed eight months out. And you're like, damn, why didn't I pay Ron the, the 500 bucks eight months ago? I might not still be unemployed. Yeah. You know? Or you know, or you know, not even unemployed. You know, Who knows? It's that, that opportunity could come across your desk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – Yep. 
an outrageous jo- opportunity, yep. like an outrageous job. You know, hey, it's three times your salary. You yeah, know, I mean, really want you. Yeah, with your fifty dollars resume, yeah, you might land back on your feet, but. With a great resume, maybe you could have landed on your feet with a job paying fifteen grand more or at yeah, a better you company. You, could have, you wouldn't have even landed. You would just be yeah. flying already. Yeah, and again, I, I don't want to come off like my resume guarantees anybody anything. That That's actually what stresses me out the most. Mm-hmm. What stresses me out is the client that's going to turn around and say, hey, Ron, I, I didn't get an amazing job because of your resume. Um, that's really the job seeker's responsibility to actually yeah. get the job. But that keeps me up at night. Yeah. I, I've never – I've only had one client – really blame it on me um mm-hmm. but that that's that's what motivates me to do great work no, I, I never want a client to ever sell yourself. say that's yeah. all the interview is, yep. is selling yourself you know the resume get the resume gets you the opportunity and from you get in that door it is your time to sell yourself if you can't sell yourself why should they like you walk into apple you have somebody that says here's all the products features and benefits of the of, of the phone you know mm-hmm. what whatever it is you, you know you go to samsung you go to the samsung store look at our you know 5k tv that's 100 inches you know without that opportunity you're never going to go anywhere and then it's up to yourself to sell you that because yep. nobody in the, I, I shouldn't say nobody in the room but most people aren't going to spend $4000 on a tv but you have you have somebody selling you something. You know you're selling yourself. You right. are the product. Right. You know Perceive that person's that. buying. I I think um, just like just like if the TV if the four thousand dollar TV is presented the right way, you might spend the four thousand. I believe as a I, I believe with my resume writing style, I, I I like to bring my clients a lot of perceived value. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm creating a document that is really spectacular, it. Psycho- and again, this goes back to the psychology of recruiting. If my client's putting forth a really amazing resume, it automatically raises the bar in the recruiter's head. And with a, and up going back to my recruiting days, if I'm looking at a really well put together document, mm-hmm. when I call the candidate to do the phone interview, that interview becomes that candidate's to lose because the resume is so great that they have to lose me at that point. Mm. If I'm calling somebody with a mediocre resume, they have to win me over. That's yes. a that's a big difference. That is a that's huge a huge psychological difference. difference. You know, be, having to win a resume as opposed to performing so poorly that I'm sorry, having to win an interview yeah. as opposed to performing so poorly that you lose the opportunity. Yep, that's a huge difference. That is, a and I think huge, that's something I bring to the table. That's, that I never I, I raise the expectations. Like I raise the expectations in the recruiter's mind. Yeah. And as, and and I look at it too, you know, obviously because I'm in sales. But you know, if you're if you're an employer and you're buying somebody for the most part, because that's what you are, you're buying somebody's time. If you have that stellar resume, even if your interview doesn't go that well, you took the time to be so well thought out. Right. Prior to that, because you might you might like same thing that we were talking about before. You know, you might collapse under the pressure of of this stupid little microphone, but. If you have that, you know, okay, you might be super well polished outside of here. Okay, so when there's no stress and you're working here, maybe if this piece of paper says you could do all the stuff, there's your ticket in. Right. And, and but we're just with a strong resume. You're just, I, I just think psychologically, you're you're conveying this message of I, I am quality. You know, yes. nerd, nerds that care. Let's say you have a as a salesperson. Let's say you you, you guys have a brochure. Or like a like a, a trifold yep. that you give to potential clients. 
if that trifold looks sick, if it looks amazing, yeah. you're automatically raising the expectations of that potential client, and the meeting's probably going to go well. If you give them a trifold that has spelling errors, the graphics suck, yep. you know, it's sloppy. You now have to really – you have to work really hard to win that client mm-hmm. because they already formed a poor impression about you. So yep. I, to me, it's the same, oh, it's uh, a, it's it's the the same, same principle. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just two different formats. I love Agreed. It. I agree 100%. We just crushed an hour and a half, brother. That was an hour and a half? Like that. That was awesome. Who would have thought we could spend an hour and a half talking about resumes? Hey, listen. That's what I bring to the table. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I, I, I could talk about it all day. It's like super nerdy. That's but awesome, I am man. not – Beatrice from South from South <laughs> <Talkin. laughs> I'm, I'm not Beatrice, and if I was, if I was, I'd be a hot lot. <laughs> it's the smoke show. The smoke show. But uh, I appreciate that. That was really fun. I can't believe that was an hour and a half. Hour and a half. <laughs> hour. Well, we're actually at an hour and twenty one, but that was a good way to segment off. Nice, it's, nice. I was like, we're in the trough. But I wanted to make sure, you know, how do people find you? How do they find out about you? I don't recommend giving a phone number, but website, email, all that. Yeah, for sure. So my my, uh, website is readresumes.com. So read is my last name. So it's R-E-E-D, the word resumes.com. I'm all over LinkedIn. Uh, Find me on Facebook. You have an Instagram too, I believe. Yeah, find me on Facebook, Ron Reed, on Instagram, at readresumes. Um, If you want to find me, you can find me. I'm, I'm all over the web. I like it, man. I like it. Fully endorsed. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I fully endorse all of my podcasts. <laughs> Not meaning like you're you're separate, but I don't. I try to bring on, you know, grade A talent. I don't. Really I appreciate to, that. I got I the Harrison seal of approval. You damn right, brother. It's important. You damn right. <laughs> all right, man. Who? Uh, happy holidays. Because I, I don't know if I'll see you. Because we. You too, man. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully touch base. Yeah, I got sure. a lot, of, and uh, I'll talk to you after after the show. I got a lot of things to talk to twenty eighteen that I, I, I definitely want to bring you on too. And, yeah, I would love to chat about that. All right, man. Amazing. Thanks, time, for, thanks for having me. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did. I hope you guys enjoyed all of them as much as I did. Because I genuinely enjoy all of my podcasts. If I didn't enjoy it, I don't think I'd... Actually, if I didn't enjoy the podcast, I don't think I'd air it. The only way I wouldn't air it is if either I don't enjoy it or it's too raunchy that the only place you can get it is on Patreon. So look for that link. If you really want the paid content, you can go on there. And every once in a while, somebody comes across that I can't say, we get a little crazy. And you can access those podcasts on Patreon. And they're super cheap. I think it's like a dollar to be a, a member and you can support the show and do all that good jazz and you kind of get the the behind the scenes stuff and whatnot so anyway that's that's patreon but my name is harrison baron i just took you on a ridiculous adventure about resumes and ron and he's a good he's good people um so with all that being said thank you for listening as always please 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 subscribe helps tremendously grow the show um if you really enjoy it you know share it with somebody you always want to share the good things it makes you feel good if you think this is a good thing and it helped you in any way, share it out. Tell somebody about it. Who knows what will happen? Um, you can always check out what's going on, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. Been doing a ton of work on there. Um, so keep keep up to date on that. Uh, you're going to start seeing a lot of things coming from, from the website. It's just uh, I'm trying to get it all ready by uh, 1-1. <coughs> that is the, the official, uh, at least I'm trying to officially launch uh, that date of all the new things I got going on. But... With all that being said, thank you so much to the nerds that care for being your third-party IT company. 
the uh, they genuinely care. Every all the employees do uh, care fully about their uh, the customers. Yeah, I guess customers um, that you use them as their third third party IT company. It's not uncommon as a business owner, or somebody in charge of um, the technology, you're going to get a phone call saying, "Hey, you know." This is this probably needs an upgrade. This is going end of life. You know, you probably should invest some money here. You know, hey, it's time to start looking at finance for the rest of, for next year. You know, it's not a bad idea to bring somebody in from your third third party outsourced IT company and say, hey, you know, how much should I budget? You know, well, these are things that they can tell you. How much money should I invest this year in, in a technology to keep my business safe? You know, it, is is my business running it as far as technology goes as healthy as it should be? Am, am I going to be able to sleep at night because I do have backups in case there is a disaster in the building? And, you know, is my business going to be protected virtually? Do I have enough security? Is, it, is there enough encryption, both encryption, salting, hashing, all that good jazz is super important. So, and if you're like, hey, what's salting and hashing? Probably something you probably don't need to know, but it can't hurt to know. Maybe you should ask your third-party IT like the nerds that care. So that's what the nerds that care do, man. They're just trying to keep you up and running, and, and they genuinely care, you know. These guys, uh, they they go to bat for all their clients and they're constantly working on making sure that you're uh safe secure and, and well protected and everything's running smoothly so thank you huge thank you to the nerds that care and uh that's it ladies and gentlemen i think that concludes this week of uh podcasts i think next week i got a pretty crazy week i don't know i'm trying to balance like work school no oh sorry not school anymore but work, podcasting, trying to get a little bit of social life in there. And I'm really trying to wrap everything up for uh, for 1-1. One, one. I got some big plans for next year. And I'll give you guys a little insight on what, I'm, what my goal is by the end of next year. But my number one goal by next year, or for next year, is, you know, December 30... Was this December 30 or 31 days? Whatever it is. The last day of December of next year, 2018... My goal is to have 10,000 subscribers, and that's a tremendous stretch. I just got my f- official 100th subscriber on SoundCloud tonight, which is tremendous. So uh, that's the goal. So i got to do 10 times what I did this year. I think it could be done. I can't do it without you guys. I appreciate the shit out of you guys. Mucho love and support for you, for uh, everybody that's been supporting me. It's uh, it's tremendous. And if you guys have people that you want to be on the show, have them hit me up. Go to the website and stuff like that, and I'll be more than happy to try to get them on the show um, if you think that they're going to be a good guest. But uh, until next time, guys, I love you guys. I really do. It's going to make me sad that I'm not going to be doing more shows till uh, next week. But until then, peace. <laughs>